Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You are listening to episode 33 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of the new Star Wars releases from a million publishers. I guess I can go through them. Should I go through them, Aaron? <laughs> Do people know what they are? We, I think we all know what they are. <laughs> There's a lot of them at this point. Dark Horse, Del Rey, Disney, Marvel, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Teresa. So we already heard her a little bit, but um, I brought on a very special guest, and she is the voice of Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels and a million other things out there. Um, one of my favorites is she does the Walgreens commercials, <laughs> Vanessa Marshall. That's right. Um, I think um, vitamins are on sale for just nine ninety nine with card. This week, FYI, I did that job this morning. But um, <laughs> hi, everybody. I'm Vanessa. So we wanted to bring Vanessa on because um, she did do the kind of like audio book sort of teaser trailer thing for A New Dawn. Um, she did get to read it early. She's been doing signings of the book and really pioneering Star Wars Rebels and the novel. So we thought, how cool would it be for the first time ever on Star Wars Bookworms to have, like, a celebrity review a book with us. <laughs> I love that you call me a celebrity. That's awesome. <laughs> so before we get started, though, um, we wanted to jump into some kind of housekeeping, I guess, things for um, Bookworms. So we have our book club going on, Star Wars Bookworms on Goodreads, and we have decided on our book for November. It's going to be a November slash December book, and we are actually going to be continuing in the new canon with Tarkin. So I think that comes out November 4th, Erin? Yes, November 4th is the release date. So we have we have a few days until it comes out, but hopefully everybody can run out and grab that book um, off the or from their local bookstore or get it digitally on November 4th and we can get started. Yeah, we're not going to get started though until probably the 9th or the 11th somewhere in there because I'm going to give some people some time to get it. And plus with the holidays and everything, um, you know, we're just going to kind of stretch this one out and kind of cover two months and maybe finish, you know, right there before Christmas. Um, so that's the book club. So if you haven't joined, go over to goodreads.com and just search for Star Wars Bookworms Book Club and you will find us. Um, we have a lot of really awesome people in there and um, we tend to announce some podcast news exclusively in there as of recently. Um, we also have a giveaway. Do you want to talk about that, Erin, or do you want me to do, want me to? I want you to because you're the one that's kind of been organizing it and I'm not even exactly sure what we're doing. So <laughs> you, you tell the people. Okay. So we have five amazing things to give away that were exclusive to New York Comic Con. Um, the grand prize is going to be a signed Star Wars Rebels book from Disney Publishing that was signed by Pablo Hidalgo. It's called Star Wars Rebels, A New Hero. 
And then we have two um, Tarkin posters that are signed by Joe Caroni. And then we have two sets from Disney Publishing of a poster and a postcard set from Star Wars Rebels. And we have two of those. So this is how you get entered to win. Um, we are going to post um, five questions on our Facebook page and in the Goodreads Book Club. You need to answer those five questions in an email, um, subject line your email, um, bookworms giveaway, and answer those five questions. If you get all five right, then your name will go into the hat, and we will draw five names. And the first name we draw, we'll get the grand prize, and then we'll do the posters, and then we'll do the postcards um, and poster sets. But this all was all stuff that you could only get at New York Comic Con. So, you know, yay! Yay! Yeah, speaking of New York Comic Con, we did go there, and actually we saw Vanessa there as well. That's right. So all three of us were attending New York Comic Con. Um, there was there was a big Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars A New Dawn panel that actually uh, Vanessa was on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about you know our time at the event and maybe a little bit of the news that came out of it as well. But um, sure. How, how was your time at New York Comic Con, Vanessa? Had you been there before? Um, yes, I've been there before. Yeah, well, it was funny because last year when I was there, I knew that I was Hera, but no one else knew that I was Hera. That was rough. And I remember thinking to myself, gosh, I wonder what next year will be like, because they will have announced the cast of the new show. And um, this year was incredibly different. Uh, it was really jam-packed. Uh, between the panels that I did and the interviews. And, um, yeah, I had a great time uh, with Christian. We got along so well. And, I mean, I could have talked Star Wars all day and night. I mean, we we just got along instantly and um, had a blast prepping this stuff. And, uh, you know, as people do at cons, we sort of ate our body weight in uh, ridiculous junk food. So that always, you know makes it a special bonding. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I really, I had a great time and I felt really close to the fans and I mean, being a fan myself, I just felt like it was one big party. Um, and of course the Delray panel was really interesting. I learned a lot at that panel. <laughs> it's just so funny. Well, cause it's just such an exciting time, uh, in all of, you know, the various media, um, you know, in, in literature and the cartoon, and then we've got upcoming episode seven. I mean, it's so vast that it, it, I suppose it's not surprising that I didn't know half the stuff that they were saying, <laughs> even though we're working in the same uh, franchise. But, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed being on that panel and sort of giving my perspective of having read the book and then utilized sort of the backstory to help me portray Hera with a little bit more specificity um, and even more confidence, and I spoke about that on the panel. And um, then there were uh, there was the, uh, the Mary Sue panel um, about strong female characters and was also delightful to sit there and sort of really look at the progress that we've made and where we want to go. And um, it was just one huge powwow. And uh, I even saw some dude dressed up like uh, Solid Snake and Metal Gear. And I walked by and I go, dude, 
I'm Olga. And he goes, yeah, right. I said, no, dude, seriously. And then I did a little Olga. <laughs> and he went, what? <laughs> that was awesome. He's like, we have to take a picture. But sadly, he said that as I was going down an escalator. <laughs> I was like, what, is, what does that sound like? Olga? Oh, I I don't even remember. I don't, I don't remember what the heck I said. <laughs> but it, something along the lines of, you know, I lose my life for this country. You know, she's, she's a Russian lady. Oh, my girl, what the bitch? <laughs> anyway, for some reason, I remember Freddie Prince Jr. wanted to play, um, uh, what is it, uh, Grand Theft Auto. The dude is like a champ. He's, he's a total gamer. I'm useless. I'm not what you would call ambidextrous, and I've got books I'd rather read. But anywho, I went into the game play GameStop, I think, and I said, listen, dude, can you hook me up with uh, whatever it is that makes Grand Theft Auto go down? And he's like, yeah, well, what's your situation? I said, well, here's the deal. I said, you play Metal Gear? He's like, yeah. And I said, hey, by the way, I'm Olga. And then he started shaking <laughs> and practically crying. And he's like, can I... Can I just text my best friend right now? And I said, yeah, man, knock yourself out. And he was freaking out. And he's like, I don't believe you. And I said, all right, just Google me. Seriously, dude, just Google me. And he just, and then he started shaking. <laughs> it's, just, it's so fascinating how the Konami franchises really um, touch people's lives. <laughs> That's the thing with voiceover, because you don't know who the heck did the voice, even if they walk up to you. Like, you wouldn't know necessarily... Dan Castellaneta is like the nicest dude ever. You see him hanging out in the lobby and you're like, hey, who's the plumber? And it's like, oh, that's Homer Simpson. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but anyway, so there there are lots of different uh, things going on at New York Comic Con, all kinds of bonding <laughs> on escalators, you know. <laughs> it was a good time had by all, not to mention our little... Uh, Midtown Comics adventure. That was fun. That was fun. Oh man, I had, I yeah, that they had some good loot. They did. Stuff. They did. Yeah. And I still. That was I that was our wait. chaser after the con. We went and yeah, and some dude came up to me and he's like, you know, I really respect you. I said, uh, okay. And I looked at what I was carrying. I think I was carrying a My Little Pony. Something. <laughs> like I'm not really sure how I garnered that respect, but. And he's like, no, I saw your panel. You're walking the walk right now. <laughs> he's like, you really mean what you say. And I was like, well, yeah, I, w- I would hope so. <laughs> and, you know, my, my friend said, what kind of uber dork goes to a Comic-Con convention and then follows it up by going to a comic book store? <laughs> like, um, People like us. My best friend. I don't know. <laughs> Like, anyway, moving on. I would say my favorite part of New York Comic Con was when you asked me about a Boba Fett backpack. If it was <laughs> yeah, I, I said, is it too on the nose? <laughs> wow, what you did you a, say? You have a Star Wars Rebels backpack on. <laughs> like, you're like, are you really asking me this right now? Wait, what you have on? <laughs> Well, and I even, you know, it wasn't really cold enough, but um, I, the website We Love Fine, I scored a Boba Fett sweater that you can only wear when it's really cold out. Cause it's like a, it is a powerful sweater. 
but it has the Boba Fett symbol on it, sort of like a like a cheerleading patch. <laughs> I didn't uh, humor you with that outfit. <laughs> You're a Boba Fett cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, but but it is you know it's lined up and ready to rock as soon as Los Angeles becomes folded up. I'm that dork in the produce section. <laughs> Boba. I was saying to someone else, there was a dude with a uh, Boba sticker on the back of his car. I must have driven like 900 miles an hour to like, <laughs> go to and be like, yeah, man. He thought I was insane. But um, anyway. The one panel that you were on was the you know the Rebels panel where they actually showed a screening of the, the episode that was just on Disney XD, um, Rise of the Old yeah. Masters. And that oh, was man. amazing to see that on the big screen like that. That was one of my, that oh, probably yeah. was my favorite part of the convention. Dude, I got to tell you, when I got that script and I saw Luminara, I got a little misty. I was like, oh my God, she survived Order 66. Yes, thank you, thank you. I did like a touchdown dance and um, that killed me, dude. When, yeah. uh,. <sighs> Yeah, you and that's that. It. Yeah, I was like, wah, 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 you know. But you know what? That's so great that Clone Wars gave us so much to really latch on to to the point where we actually lose our breath thinking that some of those characters are still alive. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Um, it could have been worse. They could have teased us with, like, Ahsoka and then found out that she was dead. If you telling they... me, buddy. What? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was an amazing right. episode. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I loved watching it, and I think they couldn't have picked a better one to show on the big screen there mm-hmm. at New York Comic Con. I agree. No, that was intense. It really was. I think I almost mm-hmm. cried. Mm-hmm. Or I did and, cry. Um, I'm not that, sure. <laughs> the Inquisitor? No, thanks. That guy... So scary. <laughs> What's and even like Ezra's lightsaber training, right? Yeah. How funny was that? <laughs> What's it like uh, working with Jason Isaacs? That's got to be like. Oh, he's just like any other dude. You know, he's like, hello, darling, how are you? You know, he's very nice and he's very proper British. I think I said something. <laughs> um, <laughs> David Oyola, I, I think I said something about my BBDs, and I, I don't know what the hell I was talking about. He's like, your BBDs? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, Ginch. And he said, Ginch? I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, underpants? <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, oh very good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose those of us in the voice are retreating. I don't know what the heck I was even discussing that that, that genre was <laughs> brought up. <laughs> But, but I mean, they're very British. Sorry? You know. Well, here's the crazy thing. You know, they do film us as we're recording. So, (laughs) dude, some of those outtakes must be (laughs) pretty insane. (laughs) You know, where they're sort of confounded by the American slang. You know, (laughs) It's all on film. I don't know who at Lucasfilm gets to go through that, but man, they've got, they could put that on the internet. That's, that's going to be some classic material. <laughs> yeah, hopefully some of that stuff oh. makes it to the Blu-ray. Right. Oh, dude, I hope so. Because um, it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, he, I, I shared about this in the panel, but Jason 
spied a miniature golf set in the closet. None of us had seen it. We'd been there for weeks. This dude rolls in. He's like, oh, my word. What is this? Like, I don't, we don't open the closets. We have no idea, dude. Uh, and he opens it, rolls out the green turf, and I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, it's uh, all right. Very good. Takes out the putting, the nine iron. <laughs> like, he starts golfing in between takes, you know. Sure. <laughs> and he's getting a hole in one every time before every line where he literally destroys either Ezra or Kanan. I mean, just devastating, brilliant delivery, one take, bong, good night. <laughs> Guy's a genius. And hilarious. I mean, that he has that sort of frivolity and lightness about him um, <laughs> and manages to do a great job at the same time. That's that's supreme talent right there. He was a lot of fun. Well, one of the things we talked about at New York Comic Con that, like, I don't know, I don't think we've really talked about it anywhere else was that Hera looks a tiny bit like you. Some of your facial expressions. And uh, the eyes. It's, it's in there. The eyes are definitely there. Well, yeah, I guess because, like I said, they do film us, perhaps the animators. But yet, I don't understand how they do that because when I'm reading a script, doing voiceover, no one's looking at me. In other words, I'm not like schmacking for the camera. I'm not like, well, I'm going to roll my eyeballs right there. You know, <laughs> I'm just... I'm reading from a page. It's really not that fascinating. <laughs> so I'm not really sure how they did that. My face is down behind a music stand. I don't know. I, I mean, they must have... Uh, maybe I do make facial gestures. I'm, I'm, it's just different than being on camera, where you must manage the minutia of your face. <laughs> um, this is why I don't do on camera, because I can't stand that aspect of it. I mean... Actors like Harrison Ford and, you know, some of these people who do, like, a gajillion films, they understand the pyrotechnics of cinema, in other words, which angle they should be at. And, you know, I learned from Tia, Tia does a lot of on-camera stuff. When we've been doing these red carpet things, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Not a single clue at all. And Tia has like, well, you know, it depends on what side of the face your hair is parted on. That's the side you should choose. And then swing your hip out and this and that. And I'm kind of like, oh, dear. This is why the whole on-camera genre is just, uh, I'm good. <laughs> but there's a whole science behind it. But, I mean, equally I've done cartoons with various uh, on-camera actors who've never done voiceover. And similarly, they interact with other actors talking away from the microphone, which is really um, lovely of them to connect with the other actor. But unfortunately, the viewers at home now can't hear you <laughs> because you're off access to the microphone. So um, I plead ignorance on that. I'm not sure how they pulled that off. <laughs> the other piece of news that we got at New York Comic Con is that there's going to be um, Kanan comics coming. Yes. Um, uh -huh. I believe they're starting in April. Um, so that's really cool. And they're actually being written by, um, I guess now former executive producer of Star Wars Rebels, Greg Wiseman. That's right. So that's I'm pretty so happy. exciting. And also yeah. we can tell everybody now, um, we are actually interviewing Greg 
tomorrow. So after this nice. episode comes out, we will have another one the week after where we're talking all things Canaan Comics with Greg Wiseman. So I'm super excited. Fantastic. That's awesome. He's amazing. We're, we're on the topic of books. I highly recommend his novels. Yeah, I think it's um, Rain of Ghosts and mm-hmm. something sponge and foam. Or foam and ash and foam. Or, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. But, but, yes, we will be talking about those. And it should only be a matter of time until Marvel gives us some Hera comics, right? If they're going to do Kanan, oh, they got to do I Hera. I hope. They'll probably give you Ezra before they do that. Yeah. I want a yeah. Hera Sabine comic. That's what I want. Yeah. Or a Chopper comic. <laughs> nice. All about Chopper. Um, so the one last piece of news we have before we jump into this book review, um, we got the name of Emperor Palpatine. Aaron, I will let you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one was actually um, teased at the, at the uh, Del Rey panel at New York Comic Con. They said, you know, if you read Tarkin, you're going to find out the first name of Emperor Palpatine. Um, and then it pretty quickly leaked, the information leaked um, online that the name of him, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard it. But yeah, his name is Sheev. Um, S-H-E-E-V. Not what I would have guessed. I mean, not that I would have thought like, you know, Dave or Don Donnie. or even Danny. Donnie Palpatine. <laughs> Donnie, Danny, what's up, Danny? How you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it doesn't. But that's not. Yeah, that's interesting. It's hmm. it's definitely been interesting to see the fan reaction to the name. I think it's kind of getting made fun of more than I think people like it. But yeah. uh, delicious. But apparently, it came from George Lucas himself, so it's not like cool. um, it's not like James Luceno, the writer of the novel, came up with it. You know, so we can't be mad at him. Uh, this nice. is straight from George, so it's his last gift to to Star Wars. Um, yeah, well, Star he Wars did give us some of those other interesting ones for like, um, oh, who are they? The the Comedy Central people that have gotten names. Oh uh, yeah, like Conan or Conan O'Brien or what Admiral the, Conan Mahdi or something. Yeah, like that. or something. I don't even know. And then like, John Stewart has a, a planet named after him. Um, but yeah, Star Wars is, is definitely known for some of the weirder names, um, like Count Dooku, I never liked either. Um, I love me some Dooku. I mean, you I like the, the character. The name? I do. Oh, I do. I don't know why. You like the Dooku? Well, because he's kind of a duty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like she for so, me. is like, Lord. like, 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 is kind of sheavy, you know what I mean? Oh, like, he's sheavy. I like it. That was yeah. his nickname, actually, when he was a kid. What's up, Skeevy? Sheevy. You know, you know that's what happened. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Yeah, that's why he turned out so bad, because everybody made fun of his name. My real last name, believe it or not, is Marsilio, otherwise known as Marcilio. Imagine my childhood if I had been Vanessa Marsilio. That's a Star Wars Worms <laughs> exclusive. Why did you just change your name? No, my father was a news reporter on television, and NBC said to him, Mr. Marsilio, <laughs> um, if you'd like to be taken seriously on the news, could you just go with Marshall? And uh, back then, uh, sure, you know, people, they weren't 
sort of celebrating any type of ethnicity, including those uh, immigrants from Italy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he sort of Americanized his name to Marshall. And, you know, he also said his childhood was not fun with that last name, so he wanted to spare me that agony. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I mean, you could spin it like, Vanessa Marchilio. You know, you could be that girl. True. Instead of, well, Nelson Marshall. Uh, I don't know. Moving on. Sheev. Sheev. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into this book review if everybody's ready. Sure. Okay. Um, so just our spoiler policy really quick. We typically wait at least a month after a release date to review a book or a comic. Um, the book came out in September, so we are in the clear. Um, if we're reviewing it, then you can expect full spoilers. Not to say we will, but it's possible. So if you haven't read A New Dawn yet, press pause, go, lis- go listen, go read the book, and then come back and press play. Um, do you want to do this, Aaron? Or? Sure. So the statistics for this book. Title, A New Dawn, release date September 2nd, 2014. Author, John Jackson Miller, one of the best in the business. And the timeline for this one is actually eight years after Revenge of the Sith, which is six years before Rebels, and 11 years before A New Hope. Did everybody follow that? Yep. So... Publisher summary, ever since the Jedi were marked for death and forced to flee Coruscant, Kanan Jarrus has devoted himself to staying alive rather than serving the Force. Wandering the galaxy alone from one anonymous job to another, he avoids trouble, especially with the Empire, at all costs. So when he discovers a deadly conflict brewing between ruthless Imperial forces and desperate revolutionaries, he's not about to get caught in the crossfire. Then the brutal death of a friend at the Empire's hands, forces the ex-Jedi to make a choice. Bow down to fear or stand up and fight. But Jarrus won't be fighting alone. Unlikely allies, including a bomb-throwing radical, a former Imperial surveillance agent, a vengeful security officer, and the mysterious Hera Syndulla, an agent provocateur (laughs) with (laughs) motives of her own, team up with Jarrus to challenge the Empire as a crisis of apocalyptic proportions unfolds on the planet Gorse. They must stand together against one of the Empire's most fearsome enforcers for the sake of a world and its people. So, Aaron, um, how did you feel talking about Hera with Hera sitting right there? <laughs> <laughs> how awesome is that? We, we are talking about A New Dawn. The star of A New Dawn is here with us, actually talking about the book with us. I mean, this is, this is a little bit surreal. And she's serious, too. <laughs> yeah, kind of for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually okay. curious, um, Vanessa, um, before, I know you read this book. Before reading this one, have have you been reading Star Wars novels as part of your fandom? No, uh-uh. That's all new to me. Um, I have ordered like a billion of them, and uh, per the suggestions of people who are really well-versed in the EU, and um, I, I'm really grateful that I got all of those books. <laughs> um, I mean, not that I'm not excited about this you know, moving forward, sort of what's going on uh, with the canon, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to dive into all that. I was mostly about the films and uh, action figures yeah. and the metaphors throughout. Um, 
but I mean, now when I read A New Dawn, I was like, okay, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that I can actually like breathe Star Wars all day long, and then when I get in bed, I can actually immerse myself in more Star Wars with words. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> so by my bed, I have um, I'm reading Kenobi, and I've got Knight Errant, and then um, I have a gift. This isn't necessarily Star Wars literature, but um, Alex Ryback, he's a friend of mine from Twitter. He sent me uh, my best friend's a Wookiee. So subject matter is of a Star Wars nature. Um, but anyway, I'm I'm thrilled that the universe is so vast that, you know, there's always more to learn. Um, well, Knight Errant is awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. And you need to read the Darth Bane novels. Like, I have suddenly... Yeah, oh, I know. Well, you've, you've been very helpful telling me what the heck to get first, second, last, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, I've I, been sort of busy with launching Rebels, so I haven't really had much, uh, you know, time to just chill and read. Because um, if I'm not recording, I'm editing. And if I'm not editing, I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but... Anyway, I have a lot to look forward to is what I'm saying. I have so many amazing Christmas ideas for you now. Like, mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to get her. You know what? Even if you just sent me a list, that would be great. That's lame. You don't have to get me anything. That's lame. No, seriously. <laughs> no, not. No, it would be helpful. There's so much. There's so much. I- I'm really excited about all of it. And I love that Star Wars in the Classroom discusses all of these story ideas and sort of these dynamics that are in other books, so, you know, like comparing it to Hamlet and this and that. It's so cool that there there are tons of books that are actually with Star Wars characters, but it's also really cool that because, uh, you know, these archetypal characters are so profound that we can actually talk Star Wars about things that aren't even <laughs> Star Wars. How cool is that? No, it is, and because Star Wars, in you know, in literature, I think, um, you know, the authors that we've had have really tied in a lot of things from, I mean, like Shakespeare and yes. you know, just mm-hmm. like classic, classic literature. They've tied yeah. it into what we're reading, and I love that. And then I, I love too. how, like, after the movies, we see like every movie that comes out has something Star Wars in it. You know, totally. So, um, but. Let's jump into this a little bit. So when you were reading the character of Hera, how did she in the book compare to how you know her? Well, you know, if you get a paragraph description of what a character is like, i.e. she's nurturing, she's an ace pilot, she's, you know, a sharpshooter, um, she's very intuitive. She pulls the best elements out of each character to help them, you know, accomplish missions. That's, I mean, I get a sense of that. But when I actually got to read how she studies people who have to earn the right to roll with her, I I had a much deeper sense of sort of empirical evidence of how she watched Kanan for as long as she did. Um, and she watched Skelly, wondering if he would be useful to her. And then also, the way she kicked so much butt, um, you know, sort of beat for beat, beating up a stormtrooper, or uh, when um, Kanan gets attacked in the street, 
she comes in this sort of cloaked outfit and unleashes, you know, high kicks and climbing up walls and what have you. I mean, I was really impressed with her ability to fight, which, yes, I had known that that was in fact true, but to actually see it in my mind's eye, I thought after reading this book, I was like, wow, she really, she really is a badass. I mean, she's, I'm impressed. (laughs) She's got skills. And the way she sort of got them out of jams, um, flying like an impossible hovercraft or whatever it was that was, you know, like literally not made for fast travel. And she sort of turns it to the left and to the right. And uh, I've flown with my dad. My dad is a pilot and he has an open cockpit biplane. And that takes a lot of skill. He, I mean, he can do hammerheads and rolls and all these things. And uh, I'm equally impressed with my own dad <laughs> for that reason. Um, but I got to say, after reading that and going back in, when she tries to save lives and fails in the New Dawn, I really got how much heartache there is behind Hera's push to bring down the Empire. You know, watching an innocent woman, the the boss of the mine, get thrown in a tub of acid and get there just not soon. I mean, she, you know, to watch a husband come to discover that his wife has been boiled to death and Harris just standing there powerless, unable to help either one of them, you, you really understand, like, okay, all right, no, this isn't just an idea. This isn't a theory. This is an actual extermination of inconvenience, you know, uh, lives that are simply inconvenient with no regard for loved ones or even productivity because that mine was particularly uh, one of the most productive. Um, And, you know, that gave me an emotional sense of the loss and the grief and also the inspiration. Um, So whereas it had been sort of ideas prior to reading the book, when I actually sort of went on the journey in my mind's eye, I felt like I had lived through it. And I brought that level of specificity to the next session, and I felt closer to Canaan as a result. Cool. You know, you bring up an interesting point. Um, so, and I don't know what you can share with us about this, but from when the book came out and when you read it, mm-hmm. and then y'all recording, mm-hmm. like, were y'all already done? You know? Uh, we're def- they don't want us to say where we are in any Oh, yeah. I but, would I mean, like, if y'all were done with the first season, for instance, because obviously we know the first season's done. Um, but, uh, no, we were not done. Okay. No. So, well, that's cool uh, then, because then you could use what oh, you were it was, feeling it was amazing. from the book. I, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, whereas when I went to the callback for the audition, I had used similar situations that are going on in the world today to get myself sort of charged up about marginalization, injustice, genocide, you know, all these things um, that uh, that are just sort of heartless and inhumane that I, in my own life, wish that I could do something to change. I was so vicariously living through Hera's actual ability to affect change in that world um, that this allowed me to utilize actual examples based on the novel as opposed to 
you know, different situations in life that are heartbreaking that I would think about to put myself in the correct emotional space to be willing to risk everything to protect someone or to help starving people get food or, you know, I mean, because that's really what these rebels are doing on a daily basis. Right. Um, Do you know if Freddie has read the novel? I don't believe he has, and I've told him about it so many times that he said, if you say it one more time, I'm putting you in a (laughs) chokehold. Now, I should tell you, parenthetically, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Right. And he's totally kidding. But um, I think it was his way of saying, I got it. (laughs) And I just was like, no, man, your character. I mean, I was thinking about Han Solo. There's a bar scene. Yeah. Yeah, that that cantina scene when the people roll yeah. up on him and he's just sort of having a cocktail. Like I need this. Like a, I mean, he really is a, a cowboy. And um, I just I love the scoundrel aspect to him. That isn't so much a swashbuckling, you know, womanizer. He's not really like that, Kanan. But um, I I I also had a sense for Kanan's sadness. He is so sad and so afraid, and his faith is in such question. Everything he's learned is sort of, he only made it to 11th grade. (laughs) And like, can he really function as a senior, given that his entire professorial line has been murdered? That's a tough place to be, and especially if you want to learn more about being a Jedi, if you even say that, you're most likely going to die at this point in time. That's a strange place to live with a head full of knowledge up to the point where, you know, he he isn't necessarily a fully realized Jedi. His training was interrupted by Order 66. So I had a, I had a sense for his complexity, his self-doubt, and, um, and the goodness inside him that, you know, as we read in the description, that when he sees his friend die, he has no choice but to do the right thing. And he's wired that way. And I think when Hera meets him, he's sort of the scoundrel dude in the bar. And I think he'd love to have a purpose. But instead, one of my favorite lines, and I was trying to find it in the book, and I apologize because uh, the book hadn't been published when I read it uh, on an iPad. They sent me a copy. That was the only way I I could read it before the panel at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, but he says, I think he's talking to Okadaya, if I'm not mistaken, but they're talking about dying and not being attached to people and why don't you let people get to know you or some such conversation. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But as Kanan says, travel lightly and death will never find you, which basically means don't attack, you know, keep keep it moving. Just keep it moving because that, how can death locate you if you're not even there? You know, and that's sort of his philosophy. So when when I walk into a studio, knowing that about this guy, that I can help him have faith in himself and in the goodness of people at their core, and you know, support him when he doubts himself, and you know, kick him in the head when he's being a jerk, <laughs> um, or save his butt when I come in and fly the getaway vehicle and. Um, anyway, it just, it, it landed a kind of richness to, um, to Kanan's, uh, 
sometimes he's reticent. You know, he questions things a lot, like, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Because he's gone from one organized regime to possibly another, meaning, much like Sabine, she was, you know, away at Imperial School, and she's a total genius, but that's a place where the the institution really choked down on the students. And I think Sabine questions what the heck Hera's doing because she doesn't want to get involved in another infrastructure that's going to oppress her in any way. But that's what I love about Hera is that she she gives just enough information for them to have one more day's worth of faith. And... Um, she knows when to hold them, when to fold them, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And I love that they have a, a female character that's that wise or kind of a silent leader. There's strength in that. Um, and I was talking about that in the New York Comic Con panel, the Dao uh, De Jing, that uh, there's that one phrase, he who knows doesn't talk and he who talks doesn't know. Mm-hmm that there's strength in yielding, there's strength in um, in silence at times. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, uh, Kanan will say that it takes more discipline to not fight than to fight. Um, and that's really true. It's it, um, That's what makes him a Jedi, is that he's able to discern which battles are worth fighting and, you know... I was kind of surprised in the novel how quickly it seemed that Kanan was smitten by Hera. Like, not yeah. only... It just it seemed like he, he definitely respected her abilities, but he there was a quick, an instant attraction that didn't seem yeah. to be reciprocated. Um, at least it was never indicated in the novel. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting dynamic. Well, it kind of does do. Well, wasn't it? Yeah, but it seemed like he said that voice, like, where did that voice, which is odd because you're reading a book. <laughs> so that was a nod to you then, right? Uh, probably not, but that, that's an interesting choice of, um, you know, what lures him to find out, you know. Uh, he loves your voice. But it was it, like throughout the entire novel, it wasn't just kind of at the beginning when they first met. It was a continual... He kept yeah. saying, wherever you go, I'll go wherever you want. Or she's like, why are you here? I just want to be next to you. Or I just want to I want to hear you talk. Or, you know. Can you imagine how lonely he must be? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm serious. What a bleak time. Yeah. That you could be that instantly connected to someone that's not really based on much of anything. Um, that, that also, that gives me a sense of his... His good nature as a Jedi, his yearning to follow through on those instincts, and meeting someone who could mirror that back to him, that that ignites him in a way that he wants to just go anywhere with that person. That's why, you know, people have said, well, what about, you know, Jedis aren't supposed to form attachments, and it seems like they have an affection for each other. What I love about Hera is, yes, they're close, but their closeness makes him a better Jedi. So it's not about affection in the sense of like, hey, can I, you know, can I <laughs> hold go your grab hand? a burger and fight? Yeah. It's, Do you want to go get a shake? It's something more meta than that. It's it's more profound in the sense that she helps him become the best version of himself. Not that that doesn't occur in relationships, but 
um, it's not about nesting and going to Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, no, to find I... dishware. It's, it's um, something really uh, special that, that they share that helps them with their agenda, which is smarter and, and way more important than a, a date. You know, well, I kind of feel like their relationship is sort of like when you find that one person that is, you know, your best friend that will call you out when you're doing stupid stuff, you know, or if you're wearing something that you shouldn't be wearing, yeah. you know, or... <laughs> or you got food in your teeth. Like, right. It's a you true that, friend that says, dude, check your... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's that one person that makes you a better person and that that you can relate yeah. to on, you know, certain things that, like, really matter to who both of you are, like, at the core of your being, you know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, you know... People just they work really well together. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It just, um, but I can, you know, I can I can see it, and I get where people are coming from that are watching the show that think that they're whatever. Um, but um, no, I, I wonder was there something that happened before, after New Dawn, before Rebels? Did they blink up, and now they've realized? You know, maybe people see a lingering affection from something that didn't pan out. Do you know what I mean? But the agenda is so much hard. I don't know. Or there is that tension. You know, people have compared it to uh, Mulder and Scully. You know, we wonder, like, are they ever going to get it together? But, of course, they have so many other things going on that they need to take care of in this instant. Um, that maybe we're Maybe we're hurtling toward that connection i'm not i'm not sure you had kind of brought up the the fact that it's good to see a character like hera um you know a strong female character kind of in the lead but this book was just full of female characters i think uh, oh definitely it was was a great example of kind of what i know a lot of readers have been hoping for um Mm -hmm. with these type of books to to really give a lot of these roles to women and even we even saw women, female stormtroopers mentioned yeah. a couple different times. Um, yeah, and it was yeah. it was just really good to see. I was kind of wanted to get you both of your takes on that that side of things. You know, I really liked getting to see female characters sort of on all sides of the conflict mm-hmm. in this yeah. book because we got you know Hera on like the good side, and then we got Captain Sloan who was sort of in the middle. Like you couldn't tell whether or not she. She wasn't bad, but she wasn't good either because she mm-hmm. was definitely out for herself. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of like in the middle. And then you have Zaluna, who is, you know, a very strongly written character, but is not the same kind of strong as Hera, like, you know, going out there and kicking butt and flying, you know, transports, like, right. you know, and stuff. A very different kind of strong, you know, and she did all the stuff that she did, like, you know, with the cameras and all the sneaking around and all the reconnaissance and all that really cool stuff that she did. I think it's really cool to see a character that's that's written like her that is is strongly written but doesn't just do boy stuff. You know? Yeah. And like that's pretty cool. Um the female stormtroopers, I think when I read some of those lines it was when I was live tweeting my reading. Um and I just thought that was so cool that we got female stormtroopers. Although the sad part is, is that my image in my brain immediately went to like the female stormtrooper Halloween costumes that are so ridiculous, you know, like the sexy female stormtroopers. Fem troopers. Well, I 
I give a shout out to Kevin Weir of the 501st here in Southern California. That guy, I mean, you can see the pictures on my Facebook page, I think my Twitter page of the Femme Troopers that he created. He also did an original Bo-Katan. The dude is so awesome. I, It's not that like um, cookie cutter Femme Trooper thing. I mean, this is like some serious detail oriented workmanship. The guy's a genius. I love you, Kevin. <laughs> I want my bow katan. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I know that's not what, you know, femme stormtroopers or female stormtroopers look like. But I guess mm-hmm. just with what we've been exposed to. No, no. To. I, I, know the, I know the ones you're talking about. I don't know that they are made with the same precision care and uh, the amount of time that it takes Kevin to put one of those together to precise measurements to each human's body. Um, you know, you're are, you're talking about the ones that are sort of like at Party City. Yeah, the, that's yeah. what I'm saying. No, like those, the, are, the dumb, those are scary. The dumb <laughs> ones. But I'm just saying, like, that's, yeah. the, that's the image that came into my head. So if that yeah. tells you anything about what, you know, pop culture out there is, you know, impressing yeah. upon us. And sure. I would love for that to change. Um, you know, and granted, like, I know people, um, shout out to Savannah Kiefer, um, that have oh, done, Savannah, she's so awesome. Yeah, Sorry. that have done, you know, Shadow Scouts and all that kind of stuff. She's awesome. Her, her outfit's amazing. Um, Dude, she's, she's so cool on so many levels. She really I could try. is. She really is. Yeah. Um, Go Savannah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I really appreciate everything that John Jackson Miller put in there, and it kind of really blows me away, even though it shouldn't, because he has, like, the Night Errant series, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that that he's done that he makes really good female characters. So I guess to sum up, I like that we had them on all sides of the conflict. And some great I characters. I thought Zaluna was a very interesting character. Um, sad what ended up happening to her in the end. Yeah. I, that was pretty sad, that the fact that she lost her eyesight. But... Yeah, very uh, reluctant. You know, she was reluctantly getting involved in the rebellion. Um, but yeah, very interesting character. I I agree completely. And I think at the New York Comic Con panel, um, I remember uh, John saying that the Captain Sloan character was so popular that people were hoping that she would sort of either be in Rebels or. Um, that she would come back in some way because I guess they did like how she was uh, sort of interested in um, moving up the food chain, if you will, and how she did it. It was, it was something that a lot of people could relate to and how she did it. They wanted to see more of sort of where she landed, I guess. I would love to see her in Rebels and I think there's still Mm -hmm. opportunity to see her in Rebels. Um, let's call Dave Filoni. Yeah, let's call him up. <laughs> What's up, Dave? <laughs> How did you guys feel about the main villain in this book? Because Count Vidian, to me, there was like a little bit of there was a little bit of Vader, there was a little bit of Bane, there was a little bit of Revan, there was a little bit of all mm-hmm. these different like Sith lords mm-hmm. for me, and he was like a mashup. And yeah. I liked him okay, but I also kind of the robotness, mm. I was kind of like, mm, Grievous, mm. 
Sorry. <laughs> he was he was easy to hate. I mean, this character, yeah. it, as brutal as he was, and just right off the bat, one of the first things that he did was, you know, he went to that factory and beat that man to death, which mm. really surprised that, that was, me. Yeah, horrible. Because I was like, oh wow, they're really getting dark with this novel. Like that was yeah. that was a pretty gory way for that guy to die, and it really yeah. solidifies how evil this character is. And he doesn't stop there. You know, you had mentioned earlier how he basically melted the. Uh, the guy's wife, yeah. you know, at Lal, that point. Gallic, uh, boss Lal, yeah. Yeah, like it was just, just the way that, that that part of the story was described was very disturbing. Um, but yeah, he was, he was just a bad, bad guy. That There was no redeeming qualities. Well, also what he was willing to do to the environment, you know, he was going to blow up gorse to make money that ultimately would destroy so many lives just to look good in this moment. But, you know, in the future, all would be lost, and they ultimately would not be able to mine whatever mineral it was that they were trying to get out of Gorse or Cinda. And, um, so he was sort of raping the environment, too. He's, he's not my favorite guy. I had a hard time. For me, Anakin, I, I, I can't just look at Vader and see a jerk. I look at Vader and see a very complicated person who is the sum total of much loss, witnessing hypocrisy, losing his faith. I I have I I care about and for Darth Vader. Do I want to hang out with him? No. no. <laughs> but you know, I I understand in in the sense that you know, Vidian he was injured and you know, decided to make all sorts of money on whatever their stock exchange is, their version of it in the Star Wars universe. And, you know, he invested well and he had enough money to sort of rebuild himself like a bionic man. And then he just became a bionic jerk, um, sort of having lived as as a person who was, um, you know, held back by his physical incapacity to suddenly have enough money to be reborn. And he came back with this new identity and was sort of punishing everyone who had dismissed him when he was in bed and unable to move. You know, that's, that's a rich background. He's not just a jerk. Like he was physically incapacitated and found a way to reinvent himself. And in doing so, he didn't do it out of celebrating his life. He did it out of avenging, you know, his, his little mottos I thought were great. So interesting, you know, um, you know, he had those sort of, uh, his rules for living or whatever mm-hmm. they're at the yeah, beginning no, of the book. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, um, see everything. He who has the data has the upper hand. Um, destroy barriers. Get information directly whenever possible. Um, he had sort of these things that he lived by. Keep moving. With an able body, the mind can achieve anything. Um Yeah, here they are all together. The management of his philosophies. Keep moving, destroy barriers, see everything. Simple rules which he diligently applied at every opportunity. So he was very organized around avenging, I I guess, but I didn't have the same level of... I don't know that I have compassion for Darth Vader, but I I feel for him. I do. And I felt nothing for this video. I was like, dude, you're kind of being a jerk. Let's be honest, okay? I'm sorry that happened to you, but what are you doing? <laughs> why, do you, why do you have to go out like this? Well, and the funny thing is I typically like my my Star Wars villains and specifically my Sith villains, like, super dark. 
You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I really like them when they're super dark. And I don't feel like Vader is super dark, you know, so I like him and I appreciate everything, whatever. But, like, some um, of the ones we get. pretty dark. <laughs> well, see, but. Are you saying, is... like, compared to uh, Sidious or. No, like, like, Anakin before he's, you know, Vader in the suit is mm-hmm. way more dark than Vader in the suit in the oh, original trilogy. You know what I mean? Killing the younglings and all yeah, that. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. there's levels of, of deep dark. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's probably just the times, you know, when the original sure. trilogy was made. Like, they weren't going to go yeah. there, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm also a lot younger, and so, you know, I mm-hmm. grew up in the prequel era and with all of the EU and things like that. So I like all of these, like, older, if that are, you know, from the old Republic sure. that are super duper, like, gnarly. Yeah. Well, Darth Maul. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, like, like just ridiculous. Anyway, but for some reason, I didn't identify with his darkness. I almost felt like, mm. I almost felt like his, like, the darkness he was doing was, like, kind of like a cop-out for himself. To try to, mm. like, you know... Made him a coward a little bit. Yeah, like, he was... Like, it was his crutch, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just, it was interesting. He's an interesting character. Like, super well-written, but as a character, yeah. just, like... definitely. Hmm. <laughs> so were you guys... I'm I guessing, mean, as a dude, how did you feel about him? I, th- I mean, I just didn't like him, and... <laughs> Yeah, I like my bad guys to have some sort of element that I can root for. You know, somebody mm-hmm, like a, a mm-hmm. Lex Luthor. You know, somebody where you can kind of get where they're coming from sometimes. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, people pit the the Jedi principles against the Sith principles. You know, I understand coming from passion. Like you can you can get your mind around that some of the truly dark Sith characters are harder to dismiss as evil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're fighting a good fight. I see what you mean. It's something that you can relate to or, he, um, or care was, about even. He killed, you know, he killed people heartlessly. He he was throwing, you know, girls around. Like, you don't hit a girl. Come on, man. Yeah, like, exactly. It just, everything about him just made me angry. And I was happy yeah. to see, I, like, kind of fast forwarding to the end of the book, but to see that he got, you know, he got what was coming to him. He got shown up by yeah. Captain Sloan. You know, the whole empire basically turned on him, and you know he's mm-hmm. getting shot at by by um, by star destroyers at the end. Somehow survives, yeah. but then ends yeah. up you know taking it and it or in the end getting taken out by the weakest of all the characters in the whole novel, um, Skelly, which I thought was a great. No, ending. Skelly. You know, yeah. it was such a I good like ending for for to finally have <laughs> Skelly. You know, with everything that he went through and all the yeah. injuries. To finally have that triumphant moment at the end where he yes. is the one that ends up taking out Vidian, that was an awesome, so awesome, awesome ending. That poor guy, I mean, how many falls did he take? How many beatdowns did that guy get and come mm-hmm. back from? Every time I thought, like, oh, he's dead. And then, like, 12 pages later, the dude's, like, crawling out from, you know, some crevice going, I'm going to get you. You know, I mean, he just had this undying spirit for for his cause. I thought that was great. I love that guy. Yeah, I didn't, he was, I didn't he was know a, how to really picture him in my mind. Like, I'm not sure what, how you guys, you know, with your imaginations, other than Harry and Kanan, you know, mm-hmm. what you kind of build. But, like, Skelly to me was, like, this really tall, really skinny, like, red-headed dude that oh. was, like, really awkward, you know, and but was 
so like he had like cuts all over his face and like basically looked like he had been blown up five times. Um, you know, it was kind of walking around kind of like a zombie, like I'm coming. Like I didn't, I saw him as like a chubby redheaded guy who had like at one point, you know, age caught up with him and his body kind of, you know, gave out, (laughs) you know, things, things shift and he's kind of got a gut, but his mind works just as well as it did when he was a soldier, you know, and uh, he's still trying to fight that fight um, despite his weight gain. (laughs) (laughs) How did you see him, Aaron? I'm kind of with uh, Vanessa on this one. I kind of saw him as a little bit overweight. Um, You know, he's seen a lot of stuff, maybe a little grizzled, you know, maybe with like a a, a little bit of a beard going on maybe. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah, I kind of saw him in that way. Um, And he was, you know, his mind... Although very brilliant man, and he basically is the is the one that came up with the plan. You know, he was trying to help, but ended up giving the Empire the means to destroy that moon. Um, and he he was a little bit cracked. You know, his 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 mind, although intelligent, he his life experiences had turned him a little bit crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt bad for him more than I was annoyed by him. I know Kanan throughout the novel tended to not necessarily like him. Kanan kind of sucker punched him at the very very beginning of the novel. And I always kind of felt bad for Skelly. Like, oh, they're not giving this guy a chance. You know, he's just trying to help. I don't know. I, I liked him, you know, as a, the novel progressed. But at the beginning, I was just like, all right, are we done with him now? But um, I was thankful that he was around later. Yeah. yeah he, he What started out as sort of reckless and more about proving his point and less about the safety of others. You know, we we can think and say whatever we want, but the minute we infringe on other people's freedom, i.e. blowing up the mind to make a point and lives are lost as a result of that, but he thinks his point is more important, you know, his message of rebellion in that way, that's not the smartest, most elegant way to get your point across. No. Um, so oh. I was like, you might want to think these things through just a little bit more, which is sort of why Hera is like, okay, big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. And I'll talk to you later. You know, she wasn't sure if he would be useful to her. But lo and behold, there he is at the end of the day. He actually was very useful. Um, but he just had a recklessness that I think – uh, was not only annoying, but uh, it it was dangerous, selfish. It was a little bit selfish. Um, yeah, it was more about his resentment and getting revenge than he was necessarily about. Um, you know, he was more about being right. I think than being this understood. He would not than be. actually, you know. Like I said earlier, he who talks doesn't know, and he who knows doesn't talk. Skelly talked a lot. (laughs) Well, and that's why he would never be a member of your crew. (laughs) Right. God bless, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Did you guys miss... Well, I I know us as readers, um, you know, might look at it a little bit different than you, Vanessa, as somebody that has kind of inside information about the show, but... For me, I missed the the other characters. Having watched Rebels and really mm. enjoying the dynamics, you know, kind of the the, the humorous side that, you know, Zeb mm-hmm. and Ezra and Chopper bring to it, yeah. uh, I really felt mi- that was missing from the novel. And I understand this is a story specifically about those two characters and kind of showing how they came together. But yeah. I, I found myself really wanting 
some mm. introduction, even maybe if if it had been at the end, some introduction of other characters yeah. from Rebels. I, I can see that. But the only reason that I didn't, you know, and this is where we're a little bit different, Aaron, is because I finished the book before Rebels premiered. So I hadn't seen Rebels when I yeah. read the book. So therefore, I didn't, I wasn't yeah. looking for that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, a different perspective because I had read it later. But yeah, that... There was just times where I was like, "Oh man, I could really use some Zeb in this scene, or you know, I could really use some Chopper here." You know, the that that comic. Yeah, release. I guess the only thing you met was the ghost. Yeah, and they and saved briefly, that for the very like, end, which was a yeah. cool reveal. But yeah, yeah, I I hear what you mean. I think it was really a pre pre. I mean, I'm I was sort of in the middle of the whole thing, and. Um, I wanted more information about their backstory, so I didn't actually notice that, and I didn't even expect to see any glimpse of them other than to understand the oppression better that they were up against. Um, But I didn't expect to see any of the other characters. Um, I was, yeah, I mean, I guess part of me is like, so when did she get Chopper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, like, I would you know, like, with yeah. Chopper on the ghost the whole time. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> Even yeah, if they had I a scene would... where he's like, rolls down the ramp and says something to, to Kane yeah, and, like... and, you know, smarts off to him or something, that would have been perfect. Yeah, who's this idiot? Yeah, yeah something. <laughs> well, and I love that you point out, like, when did she get Chopper? Because Chopper belongs to Hera, for anybody yeah. listening. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I believe that that's the case. I haven't heard the story of that, but I I think everyone on her ship is not necessarily belongs to her, but is useful to her in a specific way, so much so that she invited them to possibly um, ruin her. (laughs) You know, it's worth the risk that Chopper is such a belligerent little astromech, but it's worth it to have him around because what he brings to the party is, is, uh, you know, greater than his, um, (laughs) negativity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think I would love, I'm going to pitch an idea here. I want a comic that tells the story of how Hera got Chopper. (laughs) Uh, that'd be awesome. I wonder, yeah. It should be a cutesy comic too. I don't know. I haven't heard any talk of anything other than the Canaan one. No, I know. I'm just going to, I like pitching ideas and, you know, so that one day when one of them comes true, I can be like, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> A chopper yeah, you never kid know. or team up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kid, no, I, Kitwar needs to team up with Wicket. And oh, Kitwar. The adventures of Wicket and Kitwar. How cute is Kitwar? Seriously, man. <laughs> Oh, I, I want Kitwar everything for Christmas. Yeah, I want a Kitwar plush really bad. So badly. Or like a Kitwar pillow pal, you know, like they make all I want the a Kitwar phone case. Ooh, yeah. I want Kitwar vans. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, Teresa, are we going to have time to ask any of our uh, Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do that right now. Um, I guess one last question, and, you know, everybody can just answer this in a quick sentence. Um, how did you feel about this being the first book in the new canon of books, Aaron? I think it was a good start, um, and I I was really happy to see that it, there wasn't like a huge change. Like as I'm reading it, I didn't feel like oh this is a different universe that they've rebooted. You know, it still felt mm-hmm. like you know the novels that I've been reading for the past 
you know, however many years, there there wasn't any different of a feel, you know. So I was happy to see certain references made to things that we already know about. Um, they actually they actually use the term calf, which is something that is a carryover, yeah. you know, for coffee is a carryover yeah. from the the old expanded universe. So just little things like that. Yeah. The, fact, the fact that it was written by John Jackson Miller and he's written stuff in the old EU, it just seemed like a real nice transition. There wasn't like an abrupt restart to the expanded universe. It's just a, a soft, you know, change. So I, I was really happy with it. Cool. Yeah, I was really happy with it too. And Vanessa? Um, well, as I said, I haven't really read much of the previous stuff, but I learned a lot when I went to Comic-Con. Uh, the people at Delray took me out to dinner the night before the panel and they were talking about how, you know, they used, they mentioned that about the cast, like that they were happy to use certain words. And um, I can't wait to understand the impact of this book, given that I still have so much to read of, you know, what came before it. So uh, I feel almost like I can't even comment on it. Yeah, well, we'll um, have you back on or something if we do, like, an, an older book or old something. Old school. Yeah, yeah cool. That'd be really cool. I would love that. So let's jump into some of these questions. Um, we had a question from, <clears throat> excuse me, um, at Imagineering ED, um, or at Imagineering Ed, and you actually answered it on Twitter. Um, but there's this kind of funny thing has happened since we started recording. Um he asked, just wondered, what are you currently reading? And your answer was Kenobi. Um, right. And just in case you didn't know, um, we got a tweet back on it from John Jackson Miller himself and said, cool, and I hope you enjoy it, Vanessa. That is a foregone conclusion. Of course <laughs> I will. All right. I, I, I love his writing. He yeah. does a really good job. Um, yeah. The next question is actually from um, a friend of mine and a former student of mine that I taught. Her name is Terry, and she asked, what is your favorite part about playing Hera? That's a great question. Um, I I really do live and breathe Star Wars uh, every day, all the time. And to be involved on the other side of it, creating it. It's it's strange because it's sort of an out-of-body experience. And even when I watch Rebels, I don't hear my voice. I see the saga and what's come before and what may come after it. it it's so moving to have loved the franchise for so long and then to actually sort of be involved with the, the creation of this portion. Um, it really, I, I, it makes me very emotional. It's, it's almost like, I mean, I, I really, I, I think I've said this before. Star Wars weekends just blew me away. Just blew me away. Um, I almost feel like I've been living in isolation, and thanks to social media and how loving and kind uh, the fans are, it's, it's as if my entire life has just. Yeah, I mean, it's just an exponential improvement um, in a way that is something that I care deeply about. So, you know, on the one hand, it's great to have a job where you couldn't love it more than anything in, in the universe. Um, but I also am happy to play a strong female character because I think there are a number of characters uh, in movies. And, um, and I mean, I think we have come a long way. Um, but Dave Filoni said that these are good people. 
these are not like this isn't a good woman or a good man. These are good people that are speaking out against something that's very wrong. And um, the way gender is transcended in this particular portion, the forming of the Rebel Alliance, because everyone's sort of equally maligned. Um, it's cool to be a strong female character who is at once strong and also simply a good person, um, which in my opinion is more important than gender. Yeah. Um, well said. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And our last one is from uh, a listener, Kenny Crowley Jr., and he asked you, um, when you were coming up with the voice of Hera, who did you um, pattern it after? I don't know that I necessarily pattern it after any one particular person. I've said this before. She sort of reminds me of Han in some ways. She sort of reminds me of Leia. If I didn't know how to say a line, I would say, well, how would Leia say this? And that would give me an idea of sort of the, the cadence and the wit of it, because this cartoon is written very much in the style of the original trilogy. So that's kind of an easy uh, segue into sort of the speech pattern. But um, when I auditioned for it and... It said that she was fighting against the tyranny, that she was the head pilot on this massive ship. I kept seeing Sigourney Weaver um, in Aliens and sort of a, a woman who was um, of fit mind and spirit. And I let that guide me as opposed to uh, work, you know, working from the inside out as opposed to going from, well, I'm going to do Catherine Hepburn at a party with Frank Sinatra or... <laughs> You know, which is, i got to be honest, some of the other parts that I've played, uh, Mary Jane, that's me imitating a friend of mine, uh, Irwin on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, that's an ex-boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I thought of uh, people that I knew who sounded like what I thought these characters embodied. And I'm not mocking either of those people, but they came specifically from my impression of people in my own life and this voice because I care about the same things Hera does it was pretty close to my own I didn't do much of um, you know I didn't require any sort of affectation it was more about coming from my heart and being authentic and vulnerable in front of the microphone which I hoped would bring a better performance than what I sound like I think we're good to wrap it up and um you know, it was awesome having you on, Vanessa, and like I said... Yeah, thank you so much, you guys, and and if you do get into some of the, the greatest hits, you know, give me a heads up, because I'd love to read and participate. That would be awesome. Yeah, and like we've said before about the book club, too, like, if you want people to chat with about books, um, everybody yeah. in our book club has read probably every book out there. Oh, so so if you, great. And we have, like, a general thread where you can just, like, toss in a question and, you know, like, I'm reading, you know, The Courtship of Princess Leia, and, like, this happened. What do you guys think? And there will be people who will, like, chat with you about it. So. Oh, um, that's awesome. I love it. That's great. Yeah. So, um, where can people find you online? And do you, well, yeah, go with that one first. Uh, people can find me through my website, vanessamarshall.com, or on Twitter at Van Marshall. 
Uh, on Facebook, I think I'm Vanessa Marshall. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the, those are the many ways to find me. I think my MySpace, MySpace account has been deleted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mine has too. Um, <laughs> so do you have anything that you want to tell our listeners about that you have coming up that's not necessarily Star Wars related? Or I wish I could. I wish I could. Um, there's a, another really cool gig that I'm doing right now that has not been announced, and um, I'm very excited. So maybe by the next show, I'll be able to, to talk more about it. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any shows that are like in syndication that people could hear you on? Oh yeah. Well, there's Young Justice. Uh, I play Black Canary um, on uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. I play Mary Jane. Uh, those are still running. And also, um, I play Irwin on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, which I think still plays on Cartoon Network. Uh, and also Fish Hooks um, on Disney. I play the mouse at the end of every episode in the terrarium with Cry uh, uh, Walgren as a snake, and I'm a mouse <laughs> with a pink bow on my head. And I talk like this. She's like the most negative mouse with a pink bow on her head. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there, there are a couple things that are still running. If you really want to hear my voice, go see Gone in 60 Seconds or rent it. Um, cause most of that movie is my voice where Angelina Jolie speaks, which is hilarious. Really? Well, yeah. The thing is the wig that she was wearing for the show or for the movie, you couldn't understand what she was saying because her dreadlocks were you know, badgering the microphone or, um, anyway, so they had to find someone to sort of go back in and redo all her lines. Now, granted, I did all that she originally did. I don't take credit for her acting choices because she's a genius, but it's just so weird to watch that movie. Um, I did it for life or something like it and a, a couple other of her films. Um, that's good. That's like a, a trippy, bizarre little known fact. I don't even know if the people who made Gone in 60 Seconds would want you to know that. <laughs> and if that's the case, whoops. <laughs> I doubt they'll hear this. Yeah, probably not. Um, well, on our next episode, we will be reviewing Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and Star Wars Rebel Girl, so an all-comics episode. And then coming soon, um, probably next week, will be an interview with Greg Wiseman. So we're very excited about that. Um, so start reading all of it now so you can listen to our next episode. Um, and before we do all of our sign-off stuff, I have one quote that I kind of want you to say. And it's, hello, hyperspace. Hello, hyperspace. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. You can send us an email to StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. Go over to Facebook and give us a like over there. We put all of the latest updates on Star Wars books and comic news. Um, most recently, the stuff that's come out with Tarkin and some of the little excerpts and things like that. And you can leave us a review on iTunes if you listen to us and enjoy our show. You can head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. That's our favorite kind. And yep. you, you can find me and Teresa both on Twitter. Teresa is at IceColdPenguin. And she's also on Instagram under that same name. Yep, and Aaron is at AB Going. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you. Always.
Then the brutal death of a friend at the Empire's hands forces the ex-Jedi to make a choice. Bow down to... Oh, got to scroll down. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please. Blooper. 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 